as it happens, uh, trying to complete your purchase on a brand new house and moving in the midst of a pandemic is, like Nia said, giving birth to a VW bus. Welcome to the From Quarantine podcast, a daily dose of dry humor from two Americans living in the heart of Europe, hosted by January Newbanks and Tassie Gibson. in podcast world today our friends dan and nikki are joining us isn't that exciting i'm raising the roof and i realized you can't hear that <laughs> <laughs> so you're not that close to us you're over a ways away from us tell us where you guys are calling us we from. are calling from bournemouth england so a lovely little coastal town about a hundred thousand people yeah yeah about 130,000, but we're part of, uh, kind of sorry. three different cities that have recently combined. So. <laughs> Don't forget that 30,000. It's, it's 300,000 if you take Bournemouth Pool and Christchurch all together, yeah. which we're now kind of one municipality. So, <laughs> yeah. Nice. So thank you guys for joining us. And can you tell us a little bit about how you know Jan and myself? It's been a long time. Well, we met you guys on our travels. Um, I met you back in 1997, past 1997, uh, traveling. And then we met again in Texas, where we all kind of met together when we all moved there. And then proceeded to stay in touch uh, you guys obviously came to my wedding. I visited you in Ohio. And then you guys recently, most recently over Christmas or New Year's, actually. I which know. we watched the most amazing fireworks display yes. on top of a roof. We may have had a lot to drink or maybe not. 60 view of the world. Well, the world ending in a positive way by fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been baptized into... into yeah fluorescence like blazing <laughs> like light that. before but it was incredible it was magic it was magic. so many good memories so thank you guys for joining us it'll be nice to get another perspective from quarantine um in your little neck of the woods what's happening up there in the uk um but before we start most important part what are the bullet points for today january what's your bullet point today oh man i don't have a good one today you said it's the most important part and now i feel this pressure <laughs> Uh, that was sarcasm. <laughs> um, I have recently started letting myself drink Diet Coke again. Ooh, drink Diet fancy. Coke again because YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to take it away again after the uh, apocalypse is It's like complete, you're talking to your but, child. Uh, I know, but I'm just like... You know what? If I want to have Diet Coke, I'm going to have Diet Coke because I can't leave my house. And I think of all the vices that you could be engaged in right now. That's are you having to hide it from your family because you've just outed yourself? <laughs> I have like bottles of it, like stacked underneath my. Well, bed. you have that like that workout water bottle, but everyone knows it's vodka. Yeah, yeah. I, t- uh, I might have a teacher bottle like that. <laughs> do teenagers still do that on like class trips and stuff put like vodka in the that's interesting bottles? alcohol here is um you can legally serve your child alcohol basically from the age of about six up in your own home obviously if you're getting them drunk that's it's a problem but you can buy it for them i believe from the age of 11 <laughs> or 12 in a pub so yeah there's a lot it's, less fascination with it than yeah there it's not as rebellious states. here that's for sure it's yeah it's like a holy grail in the states mm-hmm. if you do that. but no we I've, yeah. I've had some kids 
sneak it alcohol in the last year and, and weed and, and it happens sometimes. But not not probably less so than you think. Twenty one feels like really oh, late man. to yeah. let people drink. I mean, those years, those years are the long years. They're not the, they're not the short years of like your thirties and forties. Like those yeah, are the long really years that point. feel like they're taking like forever. If you're going to make drinking 21, I mean, there's a really good science behind it. I think Vox did a video on the drinking age being 21. They go through the whole history mm-hmm. of it. So there's actually kind of a logic behind it, but it still doesn't make up for the fact that, at, you know, at 18, you can go off and kill someone for your country, but don't you touch that alcohol. That's mm-hmm. the demon. That's the, that's the slippery True. slope. Not, a, not dropping yeah, fire yeah. from the sky. <laughs> From a drone on a village. It's, it's, it's that Budweiser. That's that's gonna hit you. Yeah, the shot of Budweiser. Yeah. I'm not so, so sure that they put 18 year olds in the seat to uh, drop the bombs from the drones. Um, no, yeah, they might be flying an Apache helicopter. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Pulling the trigger. It takes don't a couple years the issue to get like, your pilot's license. You can correct me. I don't know what I'm talking I don't know anything about military. What am I talking about? talking about? <laughs> I, can see, I can hear someone writing a really pure speculation. Right pure speculation at this point. Please, if you know anything about the military, please correct us and write in a, a very long email to January. Sewell. Sewell, you don't know how to pronounce oh, my last sell, name yet. Sell. I keep trying to tell Jan. I keep telling him. I promise. Well, first of all, my name is January oh, Newbanks. Get it. You haven't changed. Oh, oh okay. No, Leaning I have not forward, changed. So okay. You really can't drop your mic. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, don't drop your mic. <laughs> yeah, and two, it's Cell. You just like to be on a name that <laughs> you don't the have. Reason, the reason I didn't take that name, one, laziness, because it takes like 19 years to get all that paperwork done, and I didn't want to do it, and Two, now that I'm in the Czech Republic, which I have thought about changing my name because there's some, certain things that are kind of annoying because Lucy and I don't have the last same last name. Um, the amount of paperwork that I would have to file to get like the visa and all of the passport gotcha. renewed to a different name and all of that stuff would just be all right. A can I, so can I so, redeem myself? Yeah. If you have an angry email about the U.S. military and correcting our, uh, our <laughs> ignorance, please email January cell at anal retentive passive aggressive <laughs> feminist. Passive aggressive. That was aggressive aggressive. <laughs> you can never accuse me of being passive aggressive, Dan. Aggressive, it's all straight aggressive. up aggression. <laughs> it's all straight up aggression. Oh, yeah, it's so refreshing. <laughs> so, Nikki. <laughs> what's your bullet point in the day <laughs> are you hoarding any kind of soft drinks under your bed <laughs> so oh yes well something funny happened to me would you like to hear it of course you'd like to hear them on your podcast yes please so um <laughs> as it happens uh trying to complete your purchase on a brand new house and moving in the midst of a pandemic is like Nan said giving birth to a vw bus it's been a little bit intense. Oh my God. I personally handle this through meditation. Otherwise, my brain goes on fire. So this morning, doing my thing, you know, I was in my, my Zen meditation zone, feeling peaceful, like I was floating out of my own body. It was actually great. It was intense, beautiful, wonderful. And then Dan's on the phone. <laughs> he's in the next room and he's on the phone with the, um, the city council because we're going to be moving soon. And, um, <laughs> For about an hour. For about an hour. But then this uh, this hold music comes on, right? 
And you usually hold music is meant to be soothing, right? Just so you're not... At the worst smooth jazz, yeah. At the worst smooth, yeah, music. But this was bloody, I'm telling you, I kid you not, it was bloody mariachi music, like, 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 like peak climax of the song. It's like <laughs> I think it's Guantanamo Bay soundtrack. <laughs> oh my God. So immediately I was brought back to Earth and I had two choices. I could either curse a lot or laugh a lot. And I did both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so apparently no, I didn't realize That's a that, good way to come out of Yeah, when, when it comes to pandemics, apparently you're gonna be on hold. A lot. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's that's true. a thing. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dan, what about um, you? What I've got two because I like to cheat. Um, the first one nice. is we went for a walk today, and um, you know, the people generally people are off work because we just went into kind of mostly quarantine status on Monday night, and um, yeah, it was. I, I saw a family playing a game that I haven't seen since I was a kid, and it kind of reminded me that. Uh, during at least this period of time, people are getting a lot more family time and they're having to become really creative because they're tired of, mm. of, you know, probably watching the same Netflix over and over. And so it's that game where one yeah. person kind of stands against a tree and looks the other way and people creep up on them and you turn around and everything stops. And so I'm watching this family play this game and yeah. it just felt like I was transported back to my childhood when we used to go out a lot and play. You have to just make up silly games. And I, I, it's Aww. not something I'd seen before a lot. That was really nice. Uh, we also saw, I have three now. Um, we also saw a, uh, some British cops pull over a group of people that were walking in three. And they put a big van and they were, you know, the British cops are delightful. They don't have guns. They don't really resort to that sort of things. Uh, and most will carry a stick, but a lot of them don't even do that. But they kind of were slightly intense and just said, do you guys live together? And they were like, yeah, we live in a group. And they, it was kind of a half nice, half intense interrogation. But yeah, they're, they're having to break up groups of more than two because those are the rules. And it's, that, that wasn't just yeah. an interesting moment, but it was, it was very kind and jovial. Once they confirmed, yes, we live together, the cops were like, okay, okay fine, we're going to move on. And it was, it was nice. But the one thing I really liked today, and it was, it was you know, I, and people around me know that I, I've been obsessed about pandemics since I was a kid. I've read I think it was the book Michael Crichton's The Andromeda Strain. It's about a strain of virus that comes to Earth and begins to wipe out the humanity. I read that when I was uh-huh. like 10. Ooh. And I, was, I just, since then... Oh my God. <laughs> that explains yeah, so no, much. Like, like, well, I read The Hot Zone. I read like lot, lots and lots of books. Probably more than any other subject has been about mass diseases. And, and then I ended up teaching the history of medicine. So for over a decade, I've, I've taught about this reality and, and, and know something about it. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so being in this situation, I, and I hate to say it because there's so much pain and tragedy going on, but they're just little things that I'm, I'm just, I'm very excited to kind of, in a sense, almost experience it, even though that there's a lot of uh, horrific things going on. And, and so one thing I noticed today that I never thought I'd live through is that, you know, that dystopian voiceover from the loudspeaker that you get in, in most dystopian novels or films, like, please remain calm, like, do your job, or stay indoors, or... Big Brother. Yeah, Big Brother, yeah, or, you know... Yeah. <laughs> we've always been at war with East Asia, that sort of thing. I was in the supermarket today and that voice happens. And it's like, due to the coronavirus, you must stay 10, you know, or two meters away from everyone. Please be calm. Like, and they just rattle on. I was like, oh my God, I'm living. And it, yeah. it didn't feel creepy. It just, it almost felt warming. Like, I, like I've been waiting to be under that kind of 
all my life, all Those my calm life. reminders <laughs> that <laughs> it's going to be okay as long as you take your government issued pill three times a day. Um, <laughs> Actually, that's funny because my my bullet point is um, that today the Czech Republic, uh, the whole country sang the same song oh, at twelve thirty. Yeah, um, yeah. And it was initiated by a director and writer um, who is deeply loved. He's been doing um, movies for, God, over 50 years, probably. Um, But it was kind of funny because I was in the middle of a class at 1230. And we're like, okay, everyone open your window and see if you can hear anyone singing. Now, of course, none of our neighbors are singing, right? My neighbors aren't singing. My students' neighbors aren't singing. Because they're all at home on the TV watching <laughs> other people sing. But what you said, Dan, is um, the Czech Republic has those uh, speakers, yeah. those outdoor speakers for emergencies. Yeah. They test them the first Wednesday of every month. So it's so anyone, freaky. what that sound is. Um, and they were initiated during the floods in 2003. Uh, but they were oh. playing the music over the speakers. So when I opened the window, my neighbors weren't singing. They were watching their TVs. But uh, you could hear the music flowing through the streets. And it was really lovely. But incredibly- yeah, I've never been in a situation where I've had that kind of dystopian voice in, inside your head, but outside your head. So that was uh, new. Yeah. So actually, that's a great jumping off point for what we want to start with. What is happening in the UK? I feel like every day it's a rocket of nothing, everything. Uh, <laughs> it's true, so isn't it? Updates. Well, it was, was it Monday night? That it was. It was yeah, most... Boris got on the TV and um, he reiterated what we're supposed to be doing. And um, I think the backstory is that too many people were not. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, at uh-huh. that point it was, yeah, you have to be in your homes um, you can only go out once a day for exercise. Any mm-hmm. non-essential travel can't be done. Obviously, NHS, the National Health Service, is a different matter altogether. But, um, yeah, it's just obviously to encourage people to stop transmission so that the NHS isn't absolutely overwhelmed. And, yeah, I think that's that was the big thing, is that being – and, of course, now, you know, as we said, we – We'll take a walk and we see mm-hmm. police officers everywhere. And of course, you know, they're, they're making sure that any groups of more than two are the same household, that kind of thing. Whereas before, you know, it, it was more of a just, it was more of a, you need to do this, but now it's, you have to, and it's being enforced to some extent. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, um, because the escalation happened quite, quite quickly, um, were people around you looking at the rest of Europe and saying like, why aren't we shutting down sooner? Or were they happy when this lockdown came? Were they like, no, we don't need this. What was the, yeah, the British are pretty sensible. I think that we all kind of knew what was happening. We were hearing reports about beach parties and backyard parties. Um, and then people not about, so I think we kind of knew and we, you know, we were a little bit behind the curve. Um, and so, yeah, when it happened, I guess the general mood is that, the, you know, the British are very sensible that this needs to happen, that this is, uh, he said, three weeks, and everyone's just kind of complying, um, not being rebellious, not feeling it, mm-hmm. not calling it into question. I've seen one op-ed where it says, do we really need to shut down Britain? The word from everyone else, including the newspapers, is yes, generally, this needs to happen. 
and we're all rooting for the frontline workers in the NHS. And we, you know, we're seeing the, the death rate a, cu- a couple days ago. As of Sunday, we were exactly 14 days behind Italy. And so if you actually matched up the, day, the death uh-huh. rate 14 days and tracked it back, we were within one to five deaths, exactly. Uh-huh. So we could see where this was heading. The prophecy has been foretold. Wow. And so, yeah, I, I haven't, no one I know is re well, one person I know, but besides that person, <laughs> uh, questioning <laughs> what's happening here. And so um, there seems to be a lot of volunteers. They've just called for, I think, 250,000 or 25,000. Uh, volunteers are joining the NHS. They're calling back retired doctors and clinicians. Um, mm-hmm. And on the street, people are observing the, like in the shops, observing the six foot rule. There were actually lines outside of the supermarket today. So you had to kind of, they were only letting certain people in. So when people leave, they would let more in. And, you know, things like queuing and obeying those kind of social rules, certain ones come very naturally to the British. And you get a, yeah, that's, I was wondering about, because, you know, the UK has such a nice reputation of helping each other. You guys have the Red Nose Day and, you know, so many kind of charities and that sort of thing. Um, have you seen that, like, we're all in this together gung-ho that Jan and I have been talking about that we see here in the Czech Republic? Like, are people helping out their neighbors? And um, No, because really to do that would be violating social distance rules. It's one of the most frustrating things about uh, okay. this is that, you know, we live next on a street with two or three care homes. And I would like nothing better than to go in and spend time, take care of, uh, read stories. But those are definitely people. locked I'm, down I'm, right now. I'm yeah. potentially a threat um, to everyone around me. So I can't say that I've seen yeah. that, but the mood is positive. People are really kind when you're, they're normally pretty kind, but even more so saying hello, making a joke. We always have a dog. So that's a nice little social lubricant there. You can always talk about that thing. Um, mm-hmm. it seems to be very positive outside. People are open and friendly, uh, at a distance. Um, and yeah, everything seems to be so far holding really, really well. Obviously the shops are not running dry or low. Um, they're, they're, they're pretty well stocked. So my question is always, you know, it's very easy to be kind and, and gentle and, and, um, nice. Yeah. <laughs> when you're not maybe fighting maybe over toilet paper. It could be <laughs> something very, very different, but there's always... <laughs> The challenge True. for me so far, which is not really even a challenge, is you know you want to look at you want to look at other people with caution but not suspicion, and fighting that natural urge of your brain to seeing people as an enemy. Uh, when from a biological mm-hmm. perspective, that's like that's actually biologically true. Like people this is carried by people, mm-hmm. and they are the one. If you get infected, it's it's going to be because somebody has not taken the rules seriously. So so far, mm-hmm. right, it's decent. Well, I don't think that we really mentioned that you guys are both educators. Um, and since my baby has four legs and January's has two, uh, <laughs> I'm going to let her field some questions with you about how that process has been talking to um, the young people that you work with. Yeah, so you guys are a few weeks behind us in terms of when we decided to pull the trigger on the social distancing um, quarantine mandate from the government. So you were going to school up until yeah. Friday, right? Yeah. What was the attitude with the kids? Like, were they worried about it? Were they taking it seriously? Were they not even thinking about it? What was going on? I guess, you know, from my end, it's interesting because I, I work, um, I work at a boys school and, um, uh-huh. so it's a secondary school. So that's from like age 11 to about 18 because there's a sixth form and, um, and the school that is selective that I work at. So a, m- a good number of the students are actually quite academically able. 
um, I would say most of them are university bound. It's, it's that kind of, that kind of school, that kind of demographic. Um, so yeah, it was, uh-huh. it was a mixed bag really. So I would say, um, for the year 11s and 13s, because those are the year groups that take major exams. Um, mm-hmm. when it was announced that the exams were pretty much not going to happen. Um, I mean, you could probably, he can, he can talk about this too, but that was a huge shock because, um, in the UK exams are a huge deal. Um, they determine a lot, just about actually everything in terms of your future. And, you know, it's, it's also, it's a big cultural thing. So in August, they will have a results day. They go into school and they get their grades for all of their exams. Um, the, and the schools are judged by those results. There's newspaper articles all over the country, you know, kind of featuring difference. It's a huge cultural it's like Chinese thing. New Year and Tet combined. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Where were you when you got your result? Like they did a whole envelope and the celebration. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it oh, is wow. a national fetish. Because um, how else are you going to divide up the class system? How do we know who to judge and who we don't? <laughs> if, it, if it weren't for two Ooh, terminal, terminal high stakes exams. <laughs> <laughs> I just praise the British to high hell. I can it turned it turned into Hunger Games real fast. <laughs> yeah, so when they when we know that's not going to happen, it's it just feels surreal. It feels surreal, and it's my school particularly. There's going to be yes, students that are really disappointed in that because it's a terminal exam system, meaning they study for two to three years depending on the school, um, and then they take their exam at the very end. So you work here, well, depending on the kid, of course, you work for that amount of time, and then suddenly no exams. So as you can imagine, they all react a bit differently to that news. <laughs> Some of them, it is a house party, you at, well, UK. <laughs> and some of them were devastated because they really wanted to prove themselves, and they really wanted to, after all this work, you know, test their mettle, as it were. Yeah. Do they have a plan for what they're going to do about like when they're going to redo the exams? Are they just kind of leaving it open? And what we can or- gather, um, they are saying almost pure teacher uh, predicted grades. So, which which to the British seems mind blowing. I know from the states, you know, basically you end up with a GPA that is 100 percent based on subjective teacher grades. Like it, it can be done. Yeah. But this is a much more rigorous system and much more high stakes. What you the choices you make at 14, 15, and 16 in terms of your commitment for your education, will determine what you can study through the rest of your life. And in the States, you get a degree in janitorial services. As long as it's a degree, you can go on to study zoology. Like there's a lot of flexibility in the system in terms of just getting a degree here. Mm -hmm. If you don't master certain things by the age of 16, your desire to be a veterinarian. Uh, I've had students who wanted to be veterinarians. It was their only reason that they breathed on this earth and they couldn't get enough. uh, They couldn't get the grades in math. And so they didn't, go on to do that. It's just, it's very structured. So um, we all expected the schools to be closed and we began kind of in a sense warning the kids and warming them up to it. But uh, when it was announced on uh, not, yeah, Wednesday that there would be no, the schools would be closed and exams would be canceled. My jaw dropped through the floor. I did in a thousand years. I never would mm-hmm. have bet on that mm-hmm. because it is so deeply entrenched. It decides so many things. Um, every, even so SATS results in primary school all the way up to A level. So I've, I have 18 year olds who've been, basically with me for seven years, 
no exams and the yeah. last two years of absolute graft. My, my A-level students, which would be equivalent to junior and senior in high school, their exams are harder than what I did at university, very clearly. And they've been working very hard, and now that, that just got ripped from them. So uh, a, a, a bright kaleidoscope of reactions, obviously, some being severely disappointed. Yeah. Um, and then some being um, probably more quietly overjoyed. Um, but yeah, I, I, did, I did not expect this to happen. And uh, so we think it'll be on teacher assessment. Um, they could uh-huh. require evidence. They could set up exams in August, but who's going to do all this work? Um, yeah. yeah. So. That's yeah. true. How did they, how are they like interacting with the idea of a global pandemic? I, I think sometimes it's hard to wrap your mind around it. And especially when you're young and you feel invincible. I was just reading today. There was this gov or mayor in Kentucky, a bunch of 20 somethings decided to have a coronavirus party <laughs> and at least one is infected yeah. afterwards. Like, so he's like being treated and the mayor tweeted out, listen up dipshits and sensible people. I might not have the best bedside manner. I might not put you at ease like the governor does, but I don't care. You need to realize that this is a serious ordeal. In fact, it is a big fucking deal. Stay at home. I love it. That's a lot coming from an American. Kentucky. Yeah. Our mayors don't get all uh, salty. Wow. You know, it's interesting. There's probably maybe more of the, this isn't going to affect me. Just sometimes the limited perspective, I think that kids can often have. You might have probably more of that. I'm just saying from my experience, obviously, I haven't done a meta-analysis of studies. (laughs) Sure. Well, we expect like, we expect high level academic research on this podcast. Uh, What I was surprised by is in many ways, how much the kids kind of paralleled the adult world. So I had students that were really concerned. Um, I had students that I talked to who said, you know, I feel like it's going to be the the poor and the working class who get the most affected. And that concerns me. I mean, these are teenagers telling me this, or I had a few students say, well, if we're doing all of the work at home, um, are you going to go back over it again for the kids who don't do it? And almost like that, well, wait a minute. No, that's not fair. There's a certain seriousness um, that I was surprised by, you know, a number of students displaying that, or you would think they would all just go, Ooh, no exams. Great. But I was also, again, Mm -hmm. surprised by how many of them had a real seriousness of purpose with their exams that, you know, Mm -hmm. this was the culmination of everything that I've worked for and were deeply, deeply disappointed. Um, Yeah. So it's, it's funny. I think what I've seen, at least for me in my context is that they seem to be a lot like adults because how many adults were flouting the advice? Um, But then again, how many adults are deeply concerned for people who aren't even necessarily in their own social circles and um, are taking care of people or, or you see what I mean, or quite conscientious socially. And it's interesting Mm -hmm. to see, it's almost personality more. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. age doesn't make a difference because it does to some extent, but um, seeing such surprisingly mature uh, responses from you know a number of my students was 
Yeah. Yeah. My school's a little bit different. I work yeah. in a, a fairly disadvantaged area with a lot of kids on free school meals and mm. a lot of kids coming from extremely complex backgrounds who, you know, quite a few of them have lived more, had more experiences than I have in terms of struggle in life and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So um, I found that as a whole, they were, you know, there was a lot of jokes about it, but that's natural for kind of just going through something like this. But uh, they were willing to listen to me, kind of give a history of different pandemics and and just kind of, in a sense, be, I tried to be a little bit encouraging, uh, but also very sobering and just reminding. And they took it really well. Mm-hmm. They asked a lot of questions and they were quite curious. There's a natural disappointment, especially for my, um, my, my year 11s who were taking their GCSE exams in the sense that this is going to be the summer where they actually got to celebrate. Um, and, uh, that was a ruin. A lot of them had vacations planned. A bunch of them were going to New York and that all got, you know, the, their lives are kind of in shutdown. What is meant yeah. to be a time of, of joy after five years of pretty intense studies is now going to be spent at home away from, from everyone else. But yeah, I'd say very sober, um, quite logical. There's, you know, as much as I make fun of the reptilian nature of the British and not liking hugs and not being close to each other. Um, <laughs> Dan's a hugger for all you listening out there. There's a sensibility <laughs> that they have that is, is really quite nice in a crisis. Um, that uh yeah. yeah so i you know i was just i mean that whole keep calm and carry yeah. on came i did a little guys, bit right? of that too and it was easier to do a couple of weeks well a week or two ago when we could actually say this doesn't affect young people really if you get it you know um but we had a 21 year old die in the uk yesterday who had no underlying health conditions we know about so yeah. things are I, I think what i would say to them now would be a little bit more sober than it was but um yeah you know it, but it was tough because my um Schools got closed. We came in Thursday. We decided to close the school Friday. And so I had students that I'd either taught for five years or sometimes seven years. Every single, every single week of my life, I was with them, deep connections, and I might not ever see them again. Mm-hmm. So for, for, it was hard for them. But actually, for me, I had to, it took me a few days to really process that. Yeah. Wow. Like, um, I felt like I had a, you know, it's a weird phrase, but a couple hundred miscarriages where um, it wasn't just students. UK schools, at least mine, tends to be incredibly pastoral. You develop very deep relationships because the kids have broken family structures sometimes or not. Um, yeah. But I'm very close with a number of my students and now they're gone and I'm feeling kind of this emptiness, not being, not being available, yeah. not having them for me. I mean, there's no closure and there's like a sense of grief that comes along with that. Like even in like the best of circumstances, when you part ways um, after you've spent that much time, like mentoring or pouring your, you know, emotion into these kids and trying to help them develop all if it for for it to change like that and all of a sudden they go from being a part of a big part of your life to not being a part of your life there has to be like a sense of grief absolutely big, big withdrawal syndrome so uh we're using you know things like google classroom and some other things to to communicate and there's a few of them have sent emails that have been unbelievably heartwarming and um yeah there's there's ways that you can communicate that uh, to kind of, in a sense, deal with that kind of fallout, the withdrawal. But it's, um, yeah, I thought I had, you know, another four or five months to kind of bring that, bring this, this five to seven year journey to a closure, but it just, it ended a little bit early. Yeah, it's interesting to get a new perspective on how important your job is too. And it's funny how I, I don't think on very often in my life, I ever considered the fact that like, not only do we educate kids but we're also really important to the economy (laughs) you know what i mean it just it's never 
obviously I've never thought about it on a daily basis. It's the norm, isn't it? So oftentimes you take it for granted. But that's been interesting too, to realize, you know, just if you're shutting schools, the economic impact that can have is actually immense. So that, that's been really interesting. <laughs> I, I actually do kind of an important job. <laughs> Imagine <Yeah. that. laughs> Imagine. Um, Suck at non teachers. <laughs> <laughs> teachers rock. So that was part one of our conversation with Dan and Nicole. We'll be posting part two tomorrow. We hope you guys join us for the next episode. Thanks for listening to today's episode of From Quarantine. Our greatest wish is that it brought some levity to your day. If we made you laugh even a little bit, then we accomplished our goal. We are now live on all major platforms, so you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, as well as your favorite third-party apps. Just search for From Quarantine. You can find us on Instagram by searching From Quarantine as well, and you can also reach us through our website, quarantine.cz. We would love it if you would like and share our episodes with your friends, but if you could also take a moment to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, that would help us out tremendously. Thanks again, and we'll see you tomorrow. This podcast is brought to you by the coronavirus outbreak. Live together. Dialogue.